This is an oral history of the Lord's move in Plainview, Texas in the early 1960s. It's a story of what can happen when a small group of students love Christ and His church and give their lives to God's purpose in a practical way. The following are testimonies at the Memorial of Marilyn Graver, a hidden sister and joyful pattern. She was one of the students in Plainview and was wife to Ray Graver, a co-worker serving with Living Stream. Together, they participated in building facilities for conferences and trainings, established lodging for Witnessly, and a print shop for the publication and distribution of the ministry. This last set of episodes will give us further insight regarding the character of these students, that is, what kind of people they were, and how we too can be useful in the Lord's move today. Ray Graver. Oh, Lord Jesus. Yeah. Marilyn Maxine Ferguson was born in Clinton, Oklahoma, December 13th, 1943. There was no performance with her. Her parents were poor, simple, dryland farmers. Her home did not have an inside plumbing or running water. On the other hand, her growing up in that home afforded her a rich heritage. Her mother was a very godly woman who instructed her in the ways of the Lord and in the practices that would be necessary for being a wife and a mother. She learned well. She sewed all of her dresses until well after she finished college. Then she started a lifelong process of buying all her clothing from Goodwill because she viewed all of her money as belonging to the Lord and for his work. Her great-grandfather had been a preacher and a missionary. At one point, the Baptist had assigned him the entire state of Oklahoma as his territory. Two of her uncles were ministers. So she grew up in this godly proper environment. In 1962, while attending a small Christian college, she met her future husband, Ray Graver. Their mating was the result of their involvement in a particular Christian service known as Friday Night Missions. They would join other students to minister to the children of migrant farm workers. It was a genuine service to the Lord. Ray and Marilyn loved these times. During these times, they did not pay much attention to each other as they were part of a group. Then, one particular Friday night, her mother, Retha, visited and asked, Marilyn, what have you thought about that Ray Grave? I like him. <laughs> she regretted that path. <laughs> that triggered something in Marilyn. From then on, even with little response from him, she began a serious pursuit. <laughs> I'm not making this stuff up, y'all. <laughs> In November of 1962, that should be 63. In November of 1963, they learned about tapes by someone named Witness Lee. 
Night after night, they walked to the meetings to listen to these tapes. During those walks, they began to develop a relationship, a relationship in the Lord. Strictly speaking, there was never a courtship. They just served the Lord together and joined together in a pursuit of the truths in the word of God. Once, and I emphasize once, they had a picnic in the park together. They brought, he brought the peanut butter dash banana dash cheese sandwiches. That's not different sandwiches, that's one sandwich. As, as that year passed, the church life began in Plainview, Texas. They continued walking to the meetings and back. They married in the summer of 1964 by the justice of peace with one other couple as witnesses. It was simple. They went to the prayer meeting that night. They were married. They were very happy. I'm gonna make it for you. Two weeks later, in a barred car, they left to go to the 1964 summer conference and training in Los Angeles. This was held at the Bonnie Bray House. There were about 60 believers living and meeting in that house. They had private quarters, a bunk bed in the closet. The time was marvelous with the release of the messages now in the book, The Economy of God. This was their honeymoon. Those early years were priceless, mutually loving the Lord and loving each other. Their life was entirely consumed with entering into a church life joining others in the study of the Bible and sharing what they had found with anyone who would listen. They crisscrossed the United States, attending virtually every conference and every training together. They would go even if their financial situation required them to have meals of potted meat and spam on crackers. This was their life and this was their living. They were two happy peas in a pod. You remember Tim shared last night about going to a conference. That's the only one I missed. She didn't miss it. The vision of God's building. Every other time, Brother Lee, New York, Atlanta, Ohio, we were in the car. We went to the conference together. In 1967, they joined the migration to Lubbock for the sake of a labor at Texas Tech. In 1969, they joined about 60 others to migrate to Houston for a strengthened testimony of the church life. There, she continued to care for new believers. Over the years, more than 40 young believers have lived in her home. She was a mother and a pattern to them. Some of them will speak today. During her remaining years, she happily joined her husband in full, more than 12 major construction projects. She has a list of them in that little spiral book. Major construction projects and in the raising up of a publication work for the printing, publication, and distribution of the present ministry. She did everything for him so he could do what he did. It was her joy. Don't think she suffered. Don't have that impression. We also lived in the closet in uh, building three. Right, Rick? For a time in recent years. 
During this time, she was very active in children's meeting and the service of the church. It seemed that her joy was to secretly clean toilets in the meeting halls and in the saint's home. About three years ago, two years ago, working in Building 8, she cleaned every toilet in the Ball Road Hall in Anaheim. And I don't mean she switched it with a brush. Bill, where are you? Right? You caught her on her knees with the pumice stone, cleaning every toilet in that hall. This was Marilyn. Sorry. We want to introduce you. We secretly cleaned the toilets in the meeting halls and in the saints' homes. If she was in your home for more than four hours, she cleaned your toilet. <laughs> I'm not joking. Throughout all the years, Marilis always enjoyed singing, playing the piano, and giving piano lessons. She raised three children, all of whom are with their spouses, serving the Lord with full time. She has nine wonderful grandchildren. She went to the be with the Lord very peacefully, surrounded by her family, singing hymns to, and they believe, with her on the Lord's Day, October 30th, 2011. At the age of 67, she was a joyful pattern to those who knew her. We'd like to gather those who were with Marilyn in the early years. Those who were with Marilyn in the early years. Come up. Well, I was asked to do this. and Really, it shouldn't be me, but here I am. So I'll share with you what I know about Marilyn. I met Marilyn in 1961 at Wayland Baptist College with Benson and a lot of other brothers that are in this room who were there. And that, to me, was a, um, that was a real time of the Lord's doing. He got us all together for, for one purpose, and that is to see the church. And there, Marilyn, <clears throat> I met Marilyn there. The, the time I knew Marilyn there was a very good time. I didn't really get to know her that much because I was involved with other things. She was, I guess, with Ray, I'm finding out, involved <laughs> with other things, which is, Wow. Anyway, <clears throat> that time there for the first two years in college was a, a real seeking time for all of us. Uh, at that time, we discovered a man named Watchman Neat. We read his book, The Normal Christian Life. Uh, no, yeah, it's Normal Christian Life. And Marilyn was with us doing that. Also, Set, Walk, and Stand. Then we had a time with a man from England, Major Ian Thomas. He came and shared some things for a week. And his whole thing was about the saving life of Christ, which we'd never heard before. Marilyn was in that. Marilyn was always wanting to see what the Lord was doing. And from reading this background of where she come from now, I know why. Because her mother and her family, they trained her in this way. <clears throat> anyway, from there, uh, in 1967, we moved to Lubbock. And <clears throat> in Lubbock is where we got to know Marilyn even more. Right. Because, you know, in those days, we didn't have that many kids with us. And there wasn't a big lot of meeting halls around. But there was still serving going on. And Marilyn was right in there with it all. You know, Marilyn and Ray Bow, all of us, we were serving, trying to build us build us up to be what the Lord wanted, you know. 
And so we would, Ray'd come over a lot of times to my house and work on the air conditioner, work on the washing machine, do this, just practical things. But that whole time we were doing this together, there was a building up. So we were there for two years, and then we all, uh, as my sister shared, all moved to Houston. And there the Lord really started doing some things. Of course, you all all know the history of that. There, uh, I stayed two years there, and during that time a hall was built, a little hall, and uh, a lot was happening with saints uh, being added to the church, especially college students and young people. <clears throat> then from there, Marilyn and Ray stayed in, in Houston. I went to, to uh, Dallas, and I was there six years. And I went to Austin. I was there six years, uh, four years. Then met May and, Ray, uh, Ray, Ray and Marilyn again in, uh, in uh, Irving. And there's where a, a big project was going on, and for a good while we worked on it a lot of hours. And the brothers were doing a lot of the work, but the sisters were right in there with them. Sisters and Marilyn, of course, was there. And always I was seeing Marilyn at this hall. It was either food or she was sweeping something or cleaning something or doing something. This sister was a real server. She served her husband, she served her family, and she served all the saints. And I was so happy to be around her all this time. This last verse, I, I have a little verse here that goes well, with, I would say, for Marilyn. Well done, good and faithful Maryland. You were faithful in a few things. I will set you over many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And that's what she has done. Acts 16, 15. Lydia had just gotten saved, and this is what she said. If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide. And she constrained us. That, that just sounded so much like Marilyn. I couldn't believe it was today. Um, words are wonderful. Jesus Christ is the word of God. So I was trying to consider for y'all who didn't get to know Marilyn over a period of time. If I could succinctly say she was a persistent, guileless slave of God. Guileless matches what you guys put in the program, no performance. When she laughed, she laughed with her whole being. When she sang, she sang with her whole being. When she said, amen, and you're so right about slow. Even her amen was slow. She, was, she said, amen, and you were so encouraged to pursue the Lord and to exercise your function because she was just aglow when someone would speak. It was just incredible. So supportive. Persistent. Oh, my. Of course, every Saturday. Here, clean. During the week, times we didn't know, she was always cleaning. I think she undertook a project. Only Ray would know. How long? In my perception, it was over a year. She studied and attempted different experiments on the carpet in the children's meeting area for how to clean it because it was wretched all the time. It was just so stained. And she would try different sprays and powders and machines. And she'd take, I think I've got it now. She would never give up until she found a way to get that carpet clean. Of course, she then told us, stop putting tape down on it. That would help. If we would have that, then she could keep it clean. We would just not put tape. But I thought if you count her time in prayer, 
plus her time on her knees scrubbing. That was a lot of knee time. There was just a lot of very practical time on her knees. Um, a sister cannot be here who lived with Marilyn and Ray. Her name is Sarah Harrison Egan. And she overflowed my voicemail so many times I haven't even got it all transcribed yet. I'll get it to Ray eventually. But the, the, the brevity is that she was just a lonely, lost in, in human life, flailing around a graduate student at UT Southwestern, devoutly Catholic, and Ray and Marilyn barely knew her and invited her to come into their home, gave her a whole section of the home, just turned into a study area, just accepted her with no requirements, no expectations, no agenda, just loved her until she learned to experience and enjoy the Lord. She wanted me to say that for her. A couple of points that uh, my wife reminded me of this week right after Ray and Marilyn got married. I, I didn't realize this until tonight that Marilyn had kind of pursued Ray because that was what was happening to me also at the same time. And anyway, we go in and I walked out to their house uh, one night and we visited. They lived in a duplex. There was one couple on one side and they lived on the other side. We went out to visit both of these couples, and we were at this other couple's house, and then I went around to see Ray and Marilyn to complain about Joanne, because that Joanne, she's just chasing me, and she can't think about anything else but getting married, and I didn't realize I, I, was, I was complaining to deaf ears, <laughs> because while I'm complaining, Joanne comes walking around the corner of the house and Marilyn peeks out the door and said, oh, Max, here comes your sweetie heart. <laughs> so I turned bright red. I was really embarrassed. But anyway, they're really for this institution of marriage. Marilyn especially was, she thought that was a real good deal. So and another thing, one time we were living right across the street from them. And so I don't know what it was that Marilyn had done. It probably wasn't as serious as she thought it was. But she came over to our house and, and was, she came in and she told my wife, I've been so bad. Um, just play me a hymn. I need a hymn. So Joanne played a hymn for her and that made her feel a lot better. But, of course, you know, her idea of being bad was she, she didn't do it joyfully. You know what I mean? Something she had to do, she didn't do it joyfully. So, anyway, that's just a uh, kind of a peek into her humanity. Very, we will really miss her. Hi, I'm Barbara Phillips. I met Marilyn when she was 17 years old at Wayland Baptist College. We were freshmen there, and I didn't realize so much about her until today. But she was a very talented musician. My roommate was one of four that were involved in a quartet at Wayland Baptist College from the Christian Choir. 
and Marilyn was one of the other four. It was called Treble Pumps. And this was a, a big honor. I think they got full scholarships. And they sang many things at the choir at the university and in the Southern Baptist churches there. So I knew her primarily through my roommate because they shared that connection. And then I transferred to Baylor and didn't see her again until we met together in 1964 at the conference and training in uh, Los Angeles. And she and Ray had just gotten married. They were crazy in love. <laughs> they were so in love. Oh, Ray, you wouldn't believe. <laughs> right, Ray? Well, anyway. <laughs> we got to ride back with them from um, L.A. to Plainview. It was very enjoyable. We, Vince and I weren't married yet. We got married in uh, January after that. And they were in uh, Plainview, eventually Lubbock, and we were in Waco. But in 69, we, the three churches, including Benton, moved to Houston. And so we were all consolidated together. And it was such a wonderful experience. And we started having our babies and we didn't know our babies were going to grow up and fall in love. <laughs> and so our two middle children fell in love and got married and went to full-time training and went to Russia and had four children. And so we, Marilyn and I, weren't only, you know, sisters in church, but we also had the mutual experience of being grandmothers. And... Uh, during the 90s, emails came in, and that became a big thing, a big explosion. And, you know, we started getting, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 emails a day. And I became an assistant. That's a, you know, a good word for a secretary to go for. Anyway, I was a professional assistant. And eventually I got sick and I couldn't handle the stress, couldn't do everything that my husband needed me to do. And uh, the gap had to be filled. And so Amy came in to fill the gap. She had four children. And she worked four hours a day. But she actually was on call 24-7 because I have a real high maintenance, maintenance husband. <laughs> and also, Marilyn has a very high maintenance husband. And I just started noticing that a lot of times, Amy didn't have to bring the children over. You know, and I just started observing that. And, and I asked, started asking, you know, where are the children? And Marilyn had them. And when they were in town, they would come to Anaheim and stay months at a time. And Ray, I know Ray kept Marilyn pretty busy, but uh, somehow she found time and she kept those kids. And I can tell now from the testimony, she 
and screaming, can I clean your house? Is it okay if I clean your house? So she wasn't just caring for the children, she was cleaning her house. I'm sure she was cleaning the clothes. <laughs> Plus she was taking such good care of the children. And, uh, oh, she just did so much for them. I just appreciate that so much. Uh, I really love my grandchildren. I do everything I can, but she, she really, she really loved me. And, uh, um, anyway, all of a sudden, these kids were playing these beautiful songs in my living room. And they were wanting to have recitals. They were wanting to have exhibition shows in the backyard. And then they would want, would want to go to the living room and have recitals. And they were playing these really beautiful songs. And I wanted to know how they could play these songs. And they had a teacher, Marilyn. Not just when they were there, but she would teach them on Saturdays through Scott. And I just, you know, she just sacrificed. Of course, it wasn't a sacrifice to her, but she gave, she gave so much. And I couldn't even keep my own house clean. But she was able to just give so much. And uh, I just, I watched that and I observed that. And, and the word that just came to me when I considered this testimony was two words, facilitator and enabler. And I looked up that meaning, and a facilitator means a helper whose goal is to support others as they achieve excellence, as they achieve exceptional performance. And that's what Marilyn was. She just helped others to achieve exceptional performance. Her children and her grandchildren and her husband. You know, she was so in the background, but she just helped them. And then the enablers, a person whose actions allow others to achieve something. Isn't that a testimony of Marilyn? Next time on Plainview. Benson, I'm, I've just been musing a little bit more on the move to Houston 40 years ago. That couple stayed with us for six weeks. They were in Denton. I didn't detect any anxiety in them. They sought the kingdom first because for them at that time to seek the kingdom had a name. Houston, Houston.